Amen. It's Sunday. I like Sunday. I don't care if it's raining or if the sun is out or if it's snowing. It doesn't matter to me. We don't have to have any special guests or prizes or any of that kind of stuff, though those things, I guess, are motivational to some. I'll tell you something. It's Sunday. I'd be here no matter what. I just like hanging around with y'all. And I look forward to it every week. God bless you. Welcome to Trinity. So glad you're here. I want you to get your Bible turned to 1 Peter chapter 4. Looking at the contemporary English version of Scripture today. We're going to talk about sincere love. What is sincere love? 1 Peter chapter 4, starting in verse 7. Interesting to... Look at this passage of scripture. This was written by Peter, who was was one of those who were eyewitnesses, uh, who who walked with Jesus during that three years of Jesus' ministry on earth. It's just interesting now to see him at the you know at the point that he's writing this. He's nearing the end of his life, and if you read through all of his letters, you see him referring to Paul, and they're talking about how how both of them are getting up in age and. And uh, or that we know that 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 both of them are nearing the end of their lives. And it's amazing to hear this man who had the eyewitness account of being on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus and of seeing the things that he saw being one of the inner circle. You know, the 12 disciples, they were all close to Jesus, but there were three of them that that everywhere Jesus went, they were there. Peter was one of those guys. And now, you know, he is nearing the end of his life and he's writing this letter. It's going to be read by people that, uh, that, that adore him. I mean, they, they, he has been such a, a, a rock of the church like Jesus said he would be. Uh, and now whenever he speaks or writes, they want to hear what he has to say. And they respect his wisdom and his experience. And so here's how he starts this that we're going to talk about this morning. Verse 7, he said... Everything will soon come to an end. He's talking about not just his own life, but realizing that that at that at the time they lived, they felt that the the, the imminent return of Christ was just as soon as what we feel it is today. Uh, they believed just as we believe that Jesus could come back at any minute, and so he's in reference uh, not just to the fact that that his earthly life is coming to an end, but he says everything will soon come to an end. So be serious. And be sensible enough to pray. Most important of all, you must sincerely love each other because love wipes away many sins. Or the translation you have may say something like, love covers a multitude of sins. Do you see that? Love covers a multitude of sins. I looked at that and I thought to myself, he said the most important thing of all that. He talks about the end coming. He talks about being serious. He talks about praying. But he said that the most important thing is sincere love. So what then is sincere love? Sincere love, if you study that uh, from the, the word itself, what it means, and it means in the context, basically it would break down this way. Sincere love here is love that we extend intentionally without ceasing some passages call it fervent ardent but it means 
they mean basically the same, sincere. If you think about somebody who is sincere, they are true, they are real, they're genuine. Sincere love is the kind of love that we offer to other people intentionally without ceasing. Hmm. What's that sound like? It sounds like unconditionally, doesn't it? In fact, what we're being told to do in this passage of Scripture by Peter, who ran around with Jesus, Peter is telling us that we are to love others the way God loves us. Because God loves us sincerely, unconditionally, without ceasing, and intentionally. This message is about to go someplace, for me at least, that I'd never seen it before. When I studied this passage, especially those last few words that said that love will cover a multitude of sins. That can be a little bit confusing. You read that and you say, what does that mean? Does that mean that if I love with sincere love, that that means that someone if i love someone this way does that mean that their sins will be forgiven or does that mean if i love someone this way that it is saying that my sins will be forgiven because that's what it looks like it's saying but it's not because that would do damage to context that happens throughout the rest of the word the rest of the word says that in order to be born again You have to repent of your sins and believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the blood that we just sang about would cover your sins. You would be forgiven and protected and healed and all of the things that the blood does. So this is a little bit confusing. Sincere love will cover a multitude of sins. Nobody's being forgiven by this love. Nobody's even forgiven by the love of Christ. He loves everybody. But everybody must make a choice to receive that love and to be born again. So nobody here is being forgiven just for loving or being loved. Make sense? So what's going on with this? Intentional, without ceasing love. I'm going to lay this out for you the best I can this morning. By trying to explain to us what power does this sincere love that we're told to express possess. Did you get all that? Say it fast three times. What power does this love we are told to express possess? If it's not covering sin the way that it reads to be, then what is being inferred by this covering of a multitude of sins? How powerful is this sincere love of Christ that is supposed to be lived out from us to others? Well, here's what it does. 
When we love others sincerely, we will forgive their faults. That covers a multitude of sins. How? By you saying, I'm going to forgive you the way Christ forgave me. And you don't have to do anything for it. Just like I couldn't do anything for it. Hmm? Now, this kind of love we can offer to our spouse or to our children or to our family or maybe even to people that we really like. But that's not just who this is being told to be offered to. He's saying in this passage that we are to love others, others being everybody inside your circle and outside of it. People that perhaps you've never met or people that you have met and you don't like. People that are unkind, people that have treated you badly. This is the kind of love you're to love them with. Pastor, I can't do it. You are to forgive their faults. Tough. We get on each other's nerves, don't we? Ladies, you have decided to love us in spite of our snoring. Somebody say amen. Men, we have decided to love you, ladies, in spite of the fact that you always leave the toilet seat down. And that you insist on going around and picking up the dirty clothes that we intentionally left in the floor. For the next time we were going to wear them. But we forgive you for all that because we're married to you or because you are our children or you're our grandparents or whomever that might be. But man, I'm going to have a hard time forgiving the faults of people who I don't know that are trying to run me off the road in my car. Hmm? That are running me over with a shopping cart because it's Christmas and we're at Walmart. This sincere Christian love enables us to intentionally and without ceasing love people no matter who they are. And loving them again won't cover up their sin, but it will make the love of Jesus known to them so that they could follow him, be saved by him, be changed, and then be sweet like us. Jesus himself said, they will know we are Christians by our love one for another. How will the world know that you are a believer? Probably not going to be by the way you dress because we're not trying to, to, to dress any differently than, you know, we're not trying to stand out and, and, and look like fools, right? They're not going to know we're, we're Christians by anything other than by the way we love. Because even in a time that we live right now, in a society where we live, there's a lot of people being killed for their faith and we have a lot of Christian brothers and sisters who are suffering, who are simply Christians because they live in another place in the world. Those people are intentionally and without ceasing extending the love of Jesus to those who hurt them and want to kill them. Why? Because it's what Jesus 
said for us to do. Because if we don't extend the love of God to people, they have no hope. They can't change. They won't be saved. Love covers a multitude of sins, not that it forgives anybody, but that it overlooks the faults of someone long enough for us to love them anyway. And secondly, this kind of unceasing love allows us to ignore their imperfections. Nobody's perfect. Even folks like Enoch weren't perfect. He came close. Let me illustrate this by telling you a perfect story. Let me scan the crowd real quick. Make sure that we don't have anybody in here that I'm going to offend. Most of you know me. When I get to a certain part of the story, close, put your hands over the ears of small children. Little bitty ones, okay? I'm warning you. I'm not going to cuss or anything like that. But I'm just... There was a perfect man who met a perfect woman. They had a perfect courtship. A perfect wedding. A perfect life. One snowy, stormy Christmas Eve. Santa came to say, you know how it goes. This perfect couple's driving along on a winding road and they notice somebody standing along the side of the road in distress. Being the perfect couple, they stopped to help. And there stood Santa Claus with a huge bundle of toys and they didn't want to disappoint any children on Christmas Day. And so this perfect couple loaded up Santa Claus and all of his toys into their vehicle. And soon they were driving along, helping him deliver toys to all of the children. Unfortunately, the driving conditions were so bad that within just a short time, they were in a terrible car accident and only one person in the car survived the crash. Who was the survivor? And all of the women would say it was the perfect woman. She's the only one that ever really existed in the first place. Because everybody knows there's no such thing as a perfect man and... And the men would answer back and say, so if there's no such thing as a perfect man and there is no... The perfect woman must have been driving and that would explain why there's a car accident. Sincere love tells us to ignore the imperfections of others, whether they're family or not, and to love them intentionally without ceasing. And thirdly, this love that covers a multitude of sins would do this. It would excuse others' errors. People come up with some amazing excuses for why they do the things they do. When we are trying to shuck our responsibility or explain away something stupid that we just did, we will tell tales that even ourselves we don't believe. 
If they were told to us, we for sure wouldn't believe it. But in our attempt to escape whatever it is that's going to be the ramification for this transgression, we will make up all types of excuses. I was reading some of those this week that came from an automobile insurance company. They were listing some of the excuses that people had given them for the reasons they were in the car accidents. An invisible car came out of nowhere, struck my car, and vanished. As I reached the intersection, a hedge sprang up, observing my vision. Here's one for you. I pulled away from the side of the road, glanced at my mother-in-law, and headed over the embankment. The pedestrian had no idea which direction to go, so I ran over him. The telephone pole was approaching fast. I attempted to swerve out of its path when it struck my front end. Have you ever seen telephone poles chasing cars? How about this one? The guy was all over the road. I had to swerve a number of times before I hit him. Man, I mean, we will tell some good ones when we're making up excuses. Sincere love commands that we excuse the errors of people, whether they provide an excuse or not. We give it regardless. You see how difficult this is? We, we struggle to provide this kind of love to the people to, that we actually love. We struggle to provide this kind of love to people that, that are actually family. If your own mess up bad enough, you have a hard time loving them unconditionally. Am I right? Let alone for people that you don't know or people that you do know and don't like or people that are treating you wrong. Yet this is the kind of love that Jesus tells us to love one another with because he said it's by this love that they'll know we're Christians. It's the only way. That's the way that this multitude of sins is covered up. That's the way that these sins are wiped away. It's not that they're forgiven. It's just that they are by us who are loving intentionally without ceasing. They are chosen to be overlooked. I will overlook that about you. I will excuse that about you. I will forgive that about you. Because what's more important in this relationship is that I have an opportunity to love you the way Jesus loved me. So I must forgive you. I must excuse you. I must ignore those crazy things you do. Because I have to tell you this good news. Now, why would I feel so compelled to do this? And here's why. Because it's what God did for me. There's no one in this room that deserves forgiveness less than I. Yet Jesus died for me and then chose to forgive me and love me unconditionally without ceasing in spite of all the things I had done and still do. 
how could I not forgive you if he forgave me? That's the logic of our father who says, I've forgiven you for everything you've ever done or will ever do. I'm not even going to remember it once you repent of it. We're going to move on. And the least that you could do is extend the same kind of love to others. And why would I want to do that, God? And he says, because that's your only reason for being on the planet. If my goal were to save you so I could bring you to heaven, I would save you and immediately, poof, you would come to heaven. I've left you on the earth so you can be my hands and feet, my mouth, my eyes, so that you can be my love extended to a lost and a dying world. There's no other reason for us to be here, guys. We would have been gone. Hang on to your seat real tight. It's not our job to build a big church. Jesus said he'd build the church. It's not our job to become become famous or rich or well-known or all. That's all up to the Lord. Jesus just told us to be saved and then do one thing, one thing. And this is what we will be gauged upon when we reach heaven. And we stand before the Lord and we are judged. When we are judged, you know what what we're going to be judged for? The only thing he told us to do, go and make disciples. That's it. He didn't say go and build big churches or little churches or any kind of churches. He said, go and make disciples. And if we will love people with sincere love, intentionally, without ceasing, regardless of whether we think they deserve it or not, but we extend it because it was extended to us, if we will do that, then we will grow. Just will happen. If you, want, if you will reach out to people who are hurting, people who need your love and need your help and need your understanding and need your account, if you'll reach out to those people sincerely the way somebody reached out to you, then you will fill your church over and over and over. I want you to think about who was possibly instrumental in you coming to know the Lord. Maybe it was your mom or your dad or a preacher or somebody. But I'll promise you. I'll promise you that whoever it was that prayed for you and made such an impression in your life wasn't perfect. Somewhere down the road, maybe 50 years before or 40 or 20 or whatever. But somewhere down the road, God had to forgive them. For the sins they had committed. You say but my mama was a saint. She may have been a saint. At the time that she led you to the Lord. But she probably wasn't a saint. All of her life. When you didn't know her. Or your daddy. Or your brothers. Or your sisters. Or the preacher. Or the evangelist. Or the missionary. Somewhere down the road. They were a sinner. That God saved and loved, and then he called and equipped. Equipped them with what? Love. 
and just told them to go make disciples. Just go love people enough so that your love will cover over all of their sins. Jesus will forgive the sins, but you just overlook. You overlook, you ignore, you excuse, you forgive and love them in spite. That's sincere love. That's what the church is all about. That's what the commission of the church is to do. Go make disciples. I'm going to conclude with this. Because everybody makes mistakes. And so I'm going to just illustrate this by reading to you a series of advertisements that was reportedly uh, found in a newspaper. This has been many years ago. But I want you to listen to how this works. Monday. The Reverend A.J. Jones has one color television set for sale. Telephone 626-1313 after 7 p.m. And ask for Mrs. Donnelly who lives with him cheap. Tuesday, we regret any embarrassment caused to Reverend Jones by a typographical error in yesterday's paper. The ad should have read, the Reverend A.J. Jones has one color television set for sale cheap. Telephone 626-1313 and ask for Mrs. Donnelly, who lives with him after 7 p.m. Wednesday. Reverend A.J. Jones informs us that he has received several annoying phone calls because of an incorrect ad in yesterday's paper that should have read, the Reverend A.J. Jones has one color television set for sale. It's cheap. Telephone 626-1313 after 7 p.m. and ask for Mrs. Donnelly, who loves with him. Thursday. Please take notice that I, the Reverend A.J. Jones, have no color television set for sale. I've smashed it. Don't call 626-1313 anymore. I have not been carrying on with Mrs. Donnelly, and she was until yesterday my housekeeper. Friday. Wanted a housekeeper. Usual housekeeping duties. Good pay. Love in. Reverend A.J. Jones, telephone 626-1313. (laughs) Mistakes are inevitable, not just in the publishing business, but in life in general. But even in a sinner's heart, when what they do is not sin, but is not a mistake, but premeditated sin, even in those cases, even when we see them going down a pig's path, we love them anyway. With the sincere love that covers a multitude of sins. Because... That's what Jesus did for us. And that's what we must do for them. Or else that will never change. God has given forgiven sinners like me and you the task of extending his love to them intentionally and without ceasing. And that's what he calls sincere love. So when you read that passage, let's look at it. Everything will soon come to an end. So be serious and be sensible enough to pray. But most important of all, you must sincerely love each other because love wipes away many sins. That's what's going on. That's what's going on. Amen. Lord, I thank you. 
for your word. We struggle with being able to offer this kind of love unconditionally. It's hard, Lord. But thank you for reminding us today that this is the love you love us with. And if you can forgive us and allow us to go to heaven, surely we can forgive each other. For we're not being forgiven for any more than what they're going to be forgiven for. So we love them. Today I ask God that in this house, you'll remind all of us of the love we had for the lost the day after we got saved. Oh, God, would you remind us of the zeal we had when we first came to know the truth and we wanted the world to know that Jesus was so good that he had forgiven even our sins. God, would we live our lives that way? If we could live our lives that way, expressing sincere love to the lost. You don't care how many people we brag about having at our church. God, you care about how many people's names get written down in the Lamb's book of life so that we can spend eternity together. Help us, Lord. Let our priorities be correct. Let our focus be right. Forgive us for sins of pride, arrogance, greed. And help us, Lord, to just go back to the simple, the simple, simple things. We are forgiven. Now let's tell somebody else how to be. Help us to love without ceasing and be intentional about that love. I pray in Jesus' name. As Neil leads us in this final song this morning, I want you to know that these altars are open. These front seats are open. All around this building is open. You can go anywhere you want to go. You can sit at your seat or you can stand or you can walk but whatever you do make this a house of prayer for the next few minutes and I want you to let this word get in your heart you know why we do these altar times because it's not just enough to hear it in order to be a doer you need an opportunity to take what you have heard and to get it down in there someplace and give it a chance to take a root fact you've heard the word from me and through the spirit right now what you need to do is commit that to your spirit and see if God wants to add something to you personally that's why we have these times of prayer some people think when I say let's pray I've just said we're dismissed it's not the same thing in the English language they mean two different things when it's time to pray it's time to pray it's not time to go home it's time to pray We'll go home after we pray. Somebody say amen. But find yourself a place and let this word get in your heart and let it get in your spirit. Would you do that as Neil leads us this morning? God bless you. I appreciate you.